This is Teach, Travel, Talk About It, a podcast from International TEFL Academy, where we sit down with our alumni, staff, and other members of the TEFL community to hear their stories about teaching English abroad, traveling the world, and everything in between. I'm your host, Jasira Vardak. Right. Hello to everyone, and thank you for joining us today, both our panelists and any of our audience members. This is our second ever alumni panel, and we are excited to hear from all of our guests. This is our Pride Week 2021 alumni panel, and we have lots of great questions that have been submitted in advance that we're going to ask, and we're excited to hear everyone's answers. But before we start with our questions, first, I would love all of our panelists to give a brief introduction and let us know just a little bit about themselves. So I'm going to go ahead and start with Alan in Thailand, if you could... Tell us about yourself, Alan. Sure, no problem. Hello, everyone. My name is Alan Tunstall. I am a digital nomad. I teach English online as well as travel. I am currently in Bangkok, Thailand. I am residing here because it's safe for the pandemic at the moment. I have lived in France, in Italy, and in Spain. However, I've taught almost all over. I have been traveling for seven years or a little bit more. I was certified with ITA in 2014. I tried to help others teach English online and travel, and you can see those insights on my Instagram at Traveling Crumbs on Instagram. All right, thank you, Alan. <laughs> Frances, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yeah, so my name is Frances. I live in Toronto, Canada. I just moved back here just about two months ago. And before that, I was uh, living in South Korea, near Seoul, where I was teaching English for about two years. Currently, I'm doing some writing work. I'm learning a web design. So I'm trying to sort of transition, I guess, from teaching to something else I can do remotely. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Francis. Kyle. Hello, I'm Kyle. I am in Mexico City. I've been here for, I guess, almost two years. I got certified to be an English teacher in 2018. Before that, I was in the classical music world. And then I said, hmm, I want to travel a little bit. So now I'm here. And maybe when the pandemic's over, I'll be doing both music and English again. Thanks, Kyle. All right, Caitlin, can we hear a little bit about you? All right, so my name is Caitlin Marsalek. I was certified by ITA in 2013, and I moved to Eastern Europe. I started in Hungary in 2015, and then three years ago, I moved to Poland. I work at a language school and also online, and then I recently started amateur comedy. I'm hoping that goes somewhere. That's very cool. Ambrosia. Hi, my name is Ambrosia. I live in South Korea. I'm actually on holiday right now in America for the next couple of weeks, but I'll be going back to my school at the end of the summer. I've taught in three countries, the country of Georgia with the Peace Corps, China, and now South Korea. I'm originally from the United States, and I was signed by ITA in 2018, and I've also done their additional classes throughout the years since then, the latest one being 2020, so. Thanks, Ambrosia. I'm also gonna give a little introduction of myself as well. So my name is Jasera. I am your host for today's alumni panel. I am actually also an ITA alum. I took the Chicago in-person class way back in 2015, 
and moved to Taiwan, where I lived for two and a half years. It's also where I met my now wife, and then lived in Spain for about six months before returning to the U.S., and eventually joining ITA here as a student affairs advisor and now the alumni coordinator. So I am incredibly grateful to have everyone here with us today. We're going to kick it off with maybe a fun question. Are there any pride celebrations where you are? And we'll go with normally, maybe not this year, but (laughs) (laughs) are there normally any pride celebrations where you are and what are they? I'm going to start with Kyle. Well, Mexico City apparently has the largest pride parade in all of Latin America with, I think, maybe 30,000 people that show up. So I arrived in Mexico City just after Pride Parade 2019, so I didn't get to experience it, but the whole city was covered in rainbows and there were restaurants everywhere with rainbow flags so it was quite a thing to see after coming from small town Tennessee where there were no rainbows no nothing (laughs) pride related so um, I'm not sure how many people are planning to come this year the last time I checked it was still happening maybe just virtually with a parade going downtown but uh, yeah it's quite the thing cool anyone else are there pride celebrations where you are or where you were teaching rather yes so i was in south korea and ambrosia i'm sure you can speak on this as well i don't know if you're in or near seoul but there is like a really big pride celebration big pride parade in Seoul. The first year I was there, I got to go, not the second year because of COVID, of course. But yeah, it's a really big celebration. Very different from what I'm used to in Toronto. It's very, you know, organized. You have to like sign up uh, with an organization. It's quite corporate. There's lots of bank floats and that kind of thing. But in Seoul, you know, partially probably because of homophobia, there's not so much like corporate or government involvement uh, in Pride. So it's very open. Anyone can join. Like you can just go and you just join in the street and join in the parade. It's really fun. When I went, there were also uh, there was also an area with some booths and that kind of thing, like more informational booths. And there is usually a like a small group of uh, protesters, like homophobic protesters as well. So that's something to look like to know about. But it's a very small group compared to the number of people at Pride. Thanks for sharing that. That's. Minus the homophobic protesters, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit what it's like in Taiwan as well, in Taipei. It's a little less organized, Mm -hmm. but uh, a little bit more community-based. Yeah, it was organic and fun. Caitlin, can you answer this question? Yeah, so generally some places, I live in a bigger city in Poland, so uh, of course the church has kind of been like really pushing back on that. But I feel like since I'm in a bigger city, there's a lot more understanding here. We usually have our pride parade in October, and I'm, I am i don't really know why it's moved, maybe just because of the hot weather, or maybe there's just too much going on in June, like school is ending here. But you'll see a couple rainbow things here and there, mostly for like big international companies. I've seen advertisements, things like that. There's also a couple of LGBT clubs that have events. There are drag shows that go on. And I actually, with the comedy troupe that I'm in, I organized a an LGBT uh, comedy show, and that will be on the 26th of June. Very cool. We definitely don't hear a lot about Poland when we're uh, thinking about Pride. Alan, what about you in Thailand or in the many places that you've been? <laughs> well, for let's. I think for Thailand, we're not going to have a Pride. I think usually it would be around this time. However, we are still in a soft lockdown, so there are no gatherings of more than 
two or three people and I've lived a lot in Barcelona so in Barcelona it's very very huge it's surrounded with family friends neighbors there are huge events all throughout the city you have drag show you have clubbers you have many people flying in from all over Europe and and the United States as well it really attracts lots and lots of, of people who want to be surrounded by not only love but people who understand as well and for France I don't think I was ever there for pride during France so I can only speak of Barcelona Thank you. It's interesting to hear about all the different celebrations around the world. When you were deciding where you wanted to move, where you wanted to teach, did being a member of the LGBTQ plus community impact that at all? I'm going to start with Kyle. No, because being from small town Tennessee, that wasn't like a big part of my life. It was just like, okay, it's something that I do just with myself, you know, maybe with a few friends when we go out to a restaurant. So I didn't really factor that in. I just came here because, you know, the Mexican food is the best in the world. I wanted to learn Spanish, eat the food, live here. And then when I got here, it was like, oh, wow this is a big thing here. I can actually open up and be myself. So it wasn't until after I got here that I like figured out, oh wow, I really like this aspect of my life that I didn't really embrace yet. Thank you. It's, uh, it's always interesting how that shifts a little bit. Francis, do you have an answer to this one? Yeah, this is definitely something. I wouldn't say it was the first thing I considered, but as I was sort of researching more and I was try- like deciding to go to South Korea, I remember it was something that I contacted my student affairs advisor uh, about and sort of expressed like it was something I, I didn't really know about and I sort of concerned about that. I think he did direct me to the Facebook group that you mentioned earlier, the, the LGBTQ plus alumni group. And I did also have a friend who had spent some time in Seoul who sort of reassured me like there is a large queer community and um, you know you can meet people there because um, sort of finding a community and meeting people was uh, was really important to me. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So our next question, are you out at work or just socially or both? And if you are out at work or maybe even if you're not, what is that like and how do you handle that? So I think we'll start with Ambrosia for this one. Okay, so at work, I've never tried to hide anything about my identity, but I also, my coworkers do know, like if they ask, but it wasn't something that I necessarily just, there's nothing in my personal life that I just kind of like introduced to anybody because I guess I am kind of a private person. But if they ask, I don't lie about it or anything. And everybody's been really nice. There's actually other people, part of the community that I work with. And again, it's, you know, if you ask somebody about their lives outside of work, they're honest about it. Nobody hides anything. And I mean, it's typical work environment. It hasn't caused me any issues living in Korea. And I actually live in a city called Weejungbu, which is about 13 miles north of Seoul. So it's a big city, but it's not like a huge city. And so you know, everybody that knows is cool with it. That's really good to know. When I was looking between South Korea and Taiwan, that was one of the things that I definitely considered and one of the things that sort of made me lean towards Taiwan, but kind of glad to hear that I was wrong. (laughs) It's always nice to learn that. Well, I actually lived in China before. What was it like there? China was, there's nowhere that I've lived that was like super against anything. And I've been told that maybe it's like my personality because there are a lot of things about me that never fit into the societal norms 
of anywhere that I've ever lived. I've never been outcasted for any of those things. And so someone said, oh, it's because your personality. But I mean, I don't think so. I think just if you're confident in yourself and you advocate for yourself, then, and you know, you're personable. I think it is easier to get people to see you for who you are instead of something that maybe they might be prejudiced against. So, yeah. That's a good point. Caitlin. So I first came out to my co-workers while I lived in Hungary, and that was, it was a much smaller town there, so it was something I was very nervous about, I know, when that happened. Here in Poland, since I live in a bigger city, I'm very out about it. I even have, like, a little corner of my desk that's kind of like my little pride section, and I consider it, like... Uh, if you have any sort of pride-related thing in Poland anywhere and it's allowed to exist, it's kind of like a little middle finger to the government because they're rather anti-queer. But I'm very out at work. They're very accepting. I don't come out of it like right away to my students, but if they ask me, I won't be afraid to discuss it. And I am also, the language school then contracts us to some of the other schools, and I am contracted to one of the Catholic schools in the town, so I, I kind of try to watch myself there, but otherwise, other than that, not it's, it's, I'm fairly open with it. That's probably a, probably a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know your audience just a little bit. Alan, what about you? With my work online, it's, I wouldn't say risky, it's interesting. If my students were younger and they were to ask, I would probably deflect and push more on learning our pronunciation and, and phonetics. However, if they are my teenagers, I would definitely go in a little bit, but briefly. It's quite hard as when you teach online, you're a freelancer. So the people you connect with are either through forums, online, with the company, or maybe someone you work with, like your roommate. So with that, I would have no problem. However, you want to keep a boundary of professionality with uh, your private life. But when I taught in Barcelona doing private uh, lessons, I had no no problems at all. If my children asked, I, I told them. I felt comfortable with the families that I was with and the children that I was with as well as they accepted me as part of their family. I would pick up children from school, teach them, feed them their lunch and send them back to school. So there was no problem unless I felt like the comp the the family was super conservative, then which can happen a lot in Spain and Italy as well, then I would just leave things as they are and keep pushing and, and teaching. Yeah, it's always sort of a balance of figuring out what the right move is in a situation. Okay, to our next question. Have you made any queer friends abroad and how? Uh, we'll start with Caitlin for this one. Uh, back in Hungary, again, small town, I didn't really meet anyone there. When I moved to Wroclaw, Poland, and this kind of got me involved in activism as well, Wroclaw has quite a big LGBT community. And of course, I met some friends through comedy and then she got me involved with other friends. I've met friends at pride parades. I feel like I have a really good circle of friends that now goes beyond just straight people, which is rather validating for me as a person as well. That's really wonderful to hear. Alan, what about you? You've lived in quite a few places, so how's it been for you meeting queer friends abroad? Right. So in order to do that, you can do a couple things. You know, there are social apps usually for, <laughs> for hookups or dating. However, you can find friends there. One place to look for if you are an ITA alumni is going to ITA World Alumni Day and 
meeting lots of people there. I found a really good group of friends in Barcelona and everywhere that I've traveled. And people are so accepting and they are just so open. I found more queer friends there as well as just going into a random bar or gay bar, straight bar, and just seeing how people are. And people usually just... They usually have open arms. Definitely Pride Week, drag shows, clubs. Trying to be a part of an event or the community where you live, you'll find so many people. Like like Caitlin said, if it's a tennis club or it's a rowing club, what, whatever you're into, roller skating, you, you'll find people and it's just, it, it's beautiful. You can find people just about anywhere. I think we've got time for one more answer. Ambrosia, what's it like in South Korea? I'm sure. So kind of going off of what Alan said, I think going with your interests and any activities that you like to do, if you kind of pursue those areas, you're definitely bound to meet people. And in Korea, uh, specifically Seoul, there are different parts of Seoul that are known for like queer friendly, like bars, restaurants. And if you go to those places, obviously you're more prone to meet people that are in the community. I've also just met people through the ITA Instagram. I know I do this, like it's not a shameless plug, it's real. So like (laughs) I have ITA people reach out to me all the time. And I've met people in the community through that as well, especially on Instagram. So if you're not on Instagram, definitely get on Instagram because you're bound to meet people through ITA and then just like a a spectrum that you'll meet and meeting friends through that as well. Just getting out there to different areas that the community is present in and just, you know, introducing yourself, saying hi and going from there. That's good advice. Our next question, is it different being out as a foreigner in another country versus being from there, being local, and sort of in in what ways? I'm happy to answer. In my experience in South Korea, I feel like there are a lot of double standards for behavior when it comes to being like foreign or being Korean, like how you dress or express yourself, your relationships with other people. And yeah, so I think like when it comes to being queer, being out, that that plays in there as well. Seems like there can be more acceptance if you're foreign because it's like oh you're different you know you're foreign so you don't necessarily have to abide by the same expectations as people who are Korean in Korean society but yeah that's just from my experience and from like my queer Korean friends that I spoke to that being said there is still a really vibrant queer community of Korean people obviously in Korea I don't think it prevents people from participating but I think it can make it harder to be like accepted friends family work that kind of thing i've seen seen similar sort of themes in some of the other places i've lived Mm -hmm. as well like taiwan and i think some people still face also like you know maybe the concept that being queer is something that is foreign right i know many people face Mm -hmm. this like oh well that's like a you know quote unquote foreign thing or some kind of misconception around queerness so that might play in as well that's fairly accurate as well, sort of that dichotomy or comparison between, you know, between being queer being a, a foreign concept, but in reality, it's it's very much not. There's those communities that exist locally, you know, in, in just every country, whether they're very much on the surface and apparent or a little bit more hidden. So we actually have a call-in question uh, from Tim for Kyle. Tim asks... Are there any concerns or things you would inform an LGBTQ plus teacher about before moving to Mexico City? 
in Mexico City itself, it's very open-minded, very liberal. So just being here, there aren't any concerns. In my school, because it's not like a chain language school, I haven't had any problems. All the students are, you know, very accepting. All the other teachers, administration, very accepting. The only thing I would be worried about is just knowing the the area of the city that you're in because you know some areas are going to be a little bit you know not as open and then also in the city i was never advised to oh you need to you know quiet down or not go here but if you go outside of the city that's where you know you might have some concerns because in the smaller towns they're going to be a lot more conservative thank you yeah that's in the city no you'll be fine I've been here for two years and I have never felt unsafe one time, so. That's good to hear. Thanks for answering that question, Kyle. So we're going to jump to dating next. We've gotten actually quite a few questions sent in advance about dating. What is it like dating as a LGBTQ plus person, a queer person in the country or countries that you've been in? And are there any like do's or don'ts that have come up? I think I'm going to start with Alan for this one. So I've met my boyfriend at a language exchange and we are still together even now for about, you'll kill me, but I'm going to say three years. <laughs> yeah, two and a half, three. Let's go with three. Three years. We are now traveling together. Remember what Beyonce said, if you like it, put a ring on it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we'll wait on that one for just a little bit. <laughs> we are traveling together and I never thought that I would find someone, especially in a different country, to travel with and teach English online. And we've been together through a lot. And I think to answer the question for dating, it's I wouldn't say it's the same as every country or being back at home. You have your own language, you have the customs of the, the country you're going to or you're living in. So there are multiple applications. There's Tinder, more than likely there's Grinder, whatever scruff, whatever you want to use, there's that. I would say still be cautious like you would at home. Uh, tell a friend where you're going to go, who you're going to meet, show them a photo. Make sure you have everything with you that you need to be safe. And I, I don't just say that as a male, but I know that females as well have lots of problems uh, abroad as, as well as males. So be cautious, try to know your surroundings, but have fun. Try to speak a little bit of the language. It's a turn on for some people to try. And if you fail, it's okay. Just resort to your own language. You can find someone if it's dating. You can find someone if it's for a hookup, no matter what you're, what you're into. Thank you, Alan. Caitlin, can you answer this one? I mean, I'm not super big into the dating scene. I have, I've just had like a few maybe like moments where I think, oh, she's really cute. And then I feel like, I'm, I go, wait, I'm in Poland. I bet she's straight. And I just ignore <laughs> it. So I feel like I don't have a whole lot of experience in the dating scene. I definitely have picked out spots I would take a date. <laughs> but I haven't really, I haven't really, like, asked anyone while here. Preparation is key. You gotta be prepared. <laughs> you know where to go. If you ever see anyone and you're like, that person is definitely gay, <laughs> you can ask them, tell them to meet you. <laughs> I have a long like list of girls that I have a crush on, <laughs> including the barista at Starbucks where I live, some the girl that I danced with one evening, like at Halloween celebrations. But yeah, that that's basically it. It's a list. Spit your game, try it. Nothing venture, nothing gain. You, you never, never know, know until you try. 
the long list of women I like, but I'm too scared to ask. <laughs> Maybe this podcast will make its way to Poland and that Starbucks barista will hear. And like, oh, I never knew. I was hoping. She's been be waiting. Funny. If anything, Maybe. material for the comedy special later. There you go. What about either of our South Korean teachers, Francis or Ambrosia? So in Korea, I would say this is the most diverse place foreigner-wise and just, I guess, LGBTQ plus-wise that I've ever lived abroad. So I would say it's like pretty easy, I guess. I don't know. Not everybody would probably... I mean, it's as easy as dating is anywhere else, which is kind of not easy always, I guess. But there's <laughs> Tinder and Bumble... And so it's re- it is really easy to meet people because the country is not very big. And so those apps really have a good range to meet all kinds of different people. I would say, depend like what Alan said, be safe when you're dating because on those apps, there are people who are in certain parts of the app. Like if you're trying to, you know, talk to women, sometimes there are like men who will make fake profiles and stuff and try and meet you. You really just have to be careful. I would say as careful as you would be anywhere else. But yeah, I mean, when I first moved to Korea, I didn't even think it would be possible to date a Korean just because I'm so expressive in English and I didn't know anything in Korean. And so I'm like, there's no way that I could be my full self in a relationship. But I've actually started to learn Korean. And um, I like Korean girls, but Korean guys, it's sometimes like they're a little intense for me and so i know that's generalizing and i apologize but that's just my experience and the only thing i can really talk about but the korean ladies i think that i really like them um, overall but guys for some reason it's super culturally different with like the dating norms it's a lot of checking in telling them everywhere you go which is weird to me because i like to do what i want when i want to so in that respect there's some cultural differences but i would say it's great (laughs) overall (laughs) francis what about you i just want to respond to everything you are all saying i feel like i'm just nodding along i agree yeah i'm also like i'm bisexual so i was dating you know women and men and non-binary people in South Korea. I wasn't dating tons and tons, especially the second year with COVID. I wasn't, you know, out like meeting a lot of people, but I, I did have the opportunity to do some dating. I agree when it came to like being a woman, dating guys, there are like cultural norms and expectations in South Korea that like Ambrosia saying that I wasn't used to. The ghosting is truly an epidemic. So if you meet someone and they're like, you know, they're going to be your boyfriend, all of this, and then they ghost you, like, it's not you. I'm telling you, it's constant. It's unbelievable, actually. (laughs) But yeah, so things like that maybe could like take a hit on someone's confidence or something, you know, because they don't know, like, it, it seems to just kind of be par for the course for a lot of people. I think like being in groups of other expats and stuff like there's a group that's expat women in Korea that I was in those groups are really helpful for gauging like hey have you guys experienced this you know is this common what should I look out for what's safe that kind of thing Caitlin I feel you too with like not right so being a queer woman like it can be really hard to to gauge who else is queer and I think like in South Korea if you're two women just friends like there's public displays of affection that are really normal like holding hands and stuff can just be friends do as well right so that can be great because it means you can do those things and not necessarily worry about like homophobic repercussions on the other hand you can I could 
I mean, obviously this involves communication too. I could literally go on a date with someone and be like, is this a date? Is it not a date? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, maybe some like communication necessary there. And yeah, of course with like safety, I think that should be a go everywhere regardless of who you're dating. I did want to mention in Korea, like there are no anti-discrimination laws. So you can face repercussions at work or in other contexts because of being outed as being queer. So that can be sort of a safety issue as well as like really strong defamation laws. So when people are face violence, for instance, in a dating context, it can be really difficult to speak out about it because of those laws. And yeah, so of course, that's always something to keep in mind. But yeah, I'm with Ambrosia. Like I found it relatively easy, fun, lots of online opportunities to meet people as well as in person. So yeah, just get out there. That's actually a really good point. Definitely check out the laws in the country that you're going to, especially surrounding some of those less than great situations you can find yourself in when you're dating and make sure that you understand them and that you're aware of what your resources are as well and what your options are in those situations and how to handle that stuff. And also, again, the anti-discrimination laws, and to, uh, especially in relation to work. I'd like to hear from everyone on this one. So, Kyle, what is it like dating in Mexico City? It's fairly easy, as long as you're honest about, you know, what you're looking for. Because, you know, on the apps, everyone's fairly honest and forward about also what they're looking for. So as long as you go in, not, I guess, being confused, so that way you don't get led on or lead someone else on. Uh, I would just say be cautious and make sure you're going to meet somewhere where it's safe because you know I've heard stories about oh I went to meet this person and then I end up getting robbed so you don't want to be in that kind of situation. Thank you. Yeah, that's very true. And I'll just add, dating in Taiwan was pretty similar to everything that you guys have described. Our next question, which is a little bit more specific, and we actually got two questions that were kind of similar on this one. So we had some people who were curious, they don't really pass as cishet, cisgender and heterosexual, or maybe they dress a little bit more on the masculine side of the spectrum, if they identify as female or more on the feminine side of the spectrum, if they identify as male, what have you. And so people really want to know what is it possible to to find employment if you don't present according to the gender norms? So is it possible to find employment and live slash work in any of these countries that you guys have lived in your experiences or what you've observed? Let's start with South Korea, because I think at least one of these questions was very specific to South Korea. Yeah. So uh, Francis or Ambrosia, do you guys have an answer? Well, I actually looked up information about this. Yeah, Ambrosia? So in my research, I have actually found a couple of different scenarios where people, maybe they did have some difficulty finding work, but I think Korea in general, it's not really a what goes for one goes for all type of place. It is definitely possible to find work regardless of how you identify or anything like that. But I think you just have to give yourself multiple chances in case it doesn't work out. And that's just Korea in general, because there are a lot of things where you might have to try five, six, seven times in order for anything to be successful, especially when it comes to work or like finding the perfect job for you. And so you just have to go in with an open mind, be flexible, just be honest. You're your big, you're your own advocate. You're your biggest advocate when you're in any country. And basically, yes, it is possible to find a job, but 
bottom line, Korea is kind of like playing roulette. Like you spin the wheel, you might get two numbers that are right next to each other, but you don't always know what you're going to get because they could be totally different. But you just have to be willing to knock on a couple different doors before you get that right answer. I think that's, uh, that's a pretty true answer to that question across the board in lots of countries. You might find that it's a little bit more challenging. It's a little harder to get a door to open, but it definitely can still be possible. Caitlin, what about in your experience in Poland or Hungary? I would say that that I would agree with that, that it takes quite a bit of knocking on doors. I feel like a lot of places are slowly opening more up to that, but because uh, the Catholic Church still has quite a bit of influence here in Poland, it can be kind of hard because gender roles are very, like, set in stone here. I feel like that's slowly changing, but there's just a lot of pushback to that. And it's, it, it can be hard, and but I think it's possible. I think it's definitely possible. And there are days, and maybe this is, of course, I, there are days, because I've, after getting my job, there are days when, like, I dress up either really feminine or I dress up really masculine to work. And people haven't batted an eye at that. So, but I'm wondering if that's because I already have the job. So I feel like I have that flexibility to be myself. Whereas someone who may be looking for a job, it might be harder for them to do that. Thank you. Yeah, definitely a good point. Kyle, what about in your experience or observations in Mexico? I don't have any experience in this, just from observations. In the metro, you can see lots of different styles of dressing and even makeup with men and women so I think you know like Ambrosia said it just depends on your employer especially in some of the chain language schools or language companies that might require a uniform I had to ask my employer hey how do I need to dress and he was like you know just be casual don't wear shorts or sandals and everything's fine so I'm like oh okay great so yeah it just depends on how you approach the employer how much time you spend looking for a job and, you know, don't settle for the first one that shows up just because, you know, you got offered something. Make sure it's uh, a fit for you and that you're comfortable and safe. Again, really great advice for that. And I'm going to add my two cents about Taiwan. It's pretty similar. Generally speaking, you can, you know, present or look however you want. But there are definitely going to be instances where you might not get the job because of it. But I think more often than not, you'll find that people are pretty accepting in Taiwan. And it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, definitely possible. All right. Was there anything about being a member of the LGBTQ plus uh, community abroad that was unexpected? Francis, I think you've got an answer to this one. Yeah, I started going to some like burlesque shows. Just I heard they were like a good time. And I did not, maybe I should have, I didn't expect that community to be so queer and such a like great place to meet other queer people as well as just generally a really like uh, welcoming community in South Korea so if that's something like you think you might be interested in or you just want to meet people I would definitely recommend checking out some of those shows thank you does anyone else have an answer to this one I can go Alan sure I would say one thing that I experienced that was unexpected. Being from Omaha, Nebraska, it's not small, but relatively to the rest of the United States, it's it's small. And being from my state, Nebraska, there's not so much you can experience unless you go to New York or LA or if you want to go down south to Atlanta or, or Texas even. But being abroad, I've experienced so many things like parties as well as friendships. However, I've also experienced health 
it's it's very important. It's not a spiel, not a PSA. Just I, I think that it's important being a part of this community that having safe sex as well as getting checkups. It's it's very very important. And when I got my first one, it was so unexpected in Barcelona that it was free. And doing research, checking back at home, looking at the prices, my mind was just blown how much it costs in Barcelona versus in the United States as well as even here in Thailand. About every three months, there should be a checkup, safe sex or not, if you are if you are doing hookups, or even if you are in a relationship. I think it's very, very important. Also to educate yourself about the different countries and the people there as well. Uh, if you're moving abroad, one thing to look for are hospitals, safe clinics, where are the safe spaces. That's what I didn't know really before leaving home and I'm glad I, I found friends who hey let's you know in Barcelona like let, let's let's go get a checkup like why what what, what, what <laughs> have I done wrong no it's not because you've done something wrong it's just it's important to make sure that your body is healthy as well as the other people around you so that was something very unexpected and I just love the communities for that some places around the world can be expensive if you have insurance, I would check that out as well. Amen. That's a great answer. I really like that one. What about you, Kyle? I would say maybe just for here, I was surprised at how much prostitution and drug use there was. Like on the, the dating apps, they would have, you know, the little emojis and code words. And I was like, what does this mean? I've never heard of this. And then, you know, I'd ask someone and say, oh, wow everyone is on coke <laughs> so you know you just have to research maybe before you get there or when you're getting there what all of the slang for everything is because you don't want to show up to a situation and then them offer you something and they're like oh yeah let me try it and then you know you show up dead the next day <laughs> that's definitely uh, definitely something i would have not thought of when moving to, to yeah. mexico <laughs> No, yeah, no. All right, we're going to do some more sort of country-specific questions that we've been getting. So I'm going to start with Caitlin. For Central Europe or Eastern Europe, the person who sent this question in says, I've read that tolerance and acceptance are on the decline there. Is that true? I would say that it's not so much on the decline as in the voices of the oppressed from the LGBT community. They're getting louder. And so you have the governments that then say, oh, well, we have to be louder with our response to that. And so there's this current pushback because it's definitely... I wouldn't say it's on the decline, it's just that there's more tension there because those that were in the community that were being oppressed are saying, hey, this isn't right, and they're now like really voicing that. I think a really good example of that, about a week ago, Hungary was going through a law that's somewhat similar to Russia's where they say, oh, if you're under 18, you cannot have like gay propaganda or anything like that. And there was a bunch of pushback. I saw protests. I saw uh, my friends on Facebook. They were talking about in Hungary how, oh, this isn't right and that. And I think it's just because we were quiet for so long. And now that we're being louder and we're open to expressing ourselves, you get those people who are going to tell you, no, be quiet. And we're just pushing back against that. One nice thing about where I used to live in Hungary, they were going to have their first Pride Parade last year. And they had to cancel due to COVID. And I was really excited to go back and participate in that parade. And I felt bad because... After I finished there, I had a student who came out to me, 
And my kind of goal with whenever students ask me this question is I want to be honest with them. If they want to know about it, I want to tell them because I want to be a good example so that they don't feel like they have to do this alone and they have an adult figure that they can look up to and talk to about these things. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's definitely a question that we see come up every now and then, but it's really lovely to hear that Hungary was going to have their first Pride Parade. Hopefully that happens next year. Uh, It was Page Hungary. Budapest has one every year, but it's a smaller community, so it it was quite difficult for it to get started there. So our next question is for either of our South Korean panelists, or not South Korean, but teaching or taught in South Korean panelists. Do you know if you can take your unmarried partner with you to South Korea? And are there any issues with housing, visas, um, etc.? We are a little low on time, so we're going to try to keep this question a little bit shorter. But I think, Ambrosia, you had an answer to this Yeah, so I've actually seen a lot of conversation about this, so I looked up some more information. Like I said before, South Korea isn't a one-size-fits-all country. As far as you're going to have to ask your school, uh, because some schools would say, yes, same-sex marriage isn't recognized in South Korea, and I know it says unmarried in the question, But, I mean, you kind of have to take that mindset and apply it to the situation as well. Um, As far as visas go, this question isn't very specific. But if the partner is planning on working, then that would kind of depend on, like, their, their visa type would depend on what they're planning on doing for work, if they're planning on working. And so that's something that you would just have to talk to the consulate about, consider if the partner is planning on working. I don't know if they could get on a family visa. And there's actually two high profile scenarios where special housing and visa was granted for the uh, queer New Zealand ambassador, but then was denied to a very high profile professor at a university. So it's just something that, like I said before, knocking on a lot of doors, have to wait for one to answer the right one. And definitely check with, with the consulate. You can always chat with student affairs. We don't really talk about visas, but we can potentially give you some some suggestions. So we're going to have our final question and then we'll wrap up. Were there any LGBTQ plus specific resources that you found helpful while you were planning on moving abroad or even when you first arrived? Frances? Yeah, I was just thinking of a, a couple, I guess, Facebook groups. I know a lot of people are not on Facebook anymore, um, but the groups are still like are really helpful. And I find that they were really active being like an expat living in South Korea, there's a group called Queer Korea Information, which you can, you know, you just have to answer the questions to join the group. It's got about 8,000 people. And I think that would be a good place for specific information. I mentioned expat women in Korea. It's not a queer specific group, but it has a ton of people who are very eager to help with almost any query. So if you are a woman, I would recommend that as well. And there isn't every expat in Korea group, but I have heard that group can be problematic. So just a heads up if you're posting about queer specific like questions or information on there. Alan, what about you? Sure, if you are looking to get a checkup or if you just want to go in and and get some more information about what a checkup entails, I would definitely ask about what organizations are are in the area as well as what organizations are specific to to what you want to do. There are many clubs, there are talk focus groups about, oh, I'm having this problem with my my loved one or this problem with my family or partner. How can I solve that? There, There are many different types of groups that you can find or just a friend uh, to talk to if you go into a center like this they can also uh, help you find the headquarters so you can find more information and pamphlets 
Kyle, what about you from Mexico? I would say in addition to Facebook groups, Reddit pages, etc., etc., find people who already live in the country. Like on the dating apps, maybe you change your location settings so that you appear here, and then you can just start networking before you get here, and that's a good resource for, you know, questions or just getting advice in general. That's a good idea. I like that one. I haven't thought about that one before. Caitlin, what about you? Any resources? I would agree with Kyle, especially when finding those places after you've moved to say, I mean, I'm just going to give Wroclaw as an example, but the queer bars and the queer coffee club that's here is amazing. And most of the people speak English in there. So even if you have trouble with Polish like I do, you can go in, order a coffee from them, support them, and then ask them directly a couple things. They'll be more than willing to help you. Also very true. Just ask. We're going to wrap up now. I'm so grateful for all of you for being here today. We're going to end. I would just love to hear from each of you. Any final thoughts about what we've talked about today, about being out or not in the countries that you're in or you've been in, or any any final pieces of advice that you would give somebody who's looking to move abroad as a member of this community? We'll start with Alan. I would say if you haven't experienced anything at home, because you're not out yet or you're scared to or you don't have the correct support, I would say try abroad. Moving or traveling abroad doesn't fix things. It doesn't fix everything, but it definitely opens the doors to a lot of experiences. And even if you are alone, go ahead and try to start out small. It's the the push you can give to feel more comfortable in your skin. Take those baby steps. If it's a bar or if it's a coffee shop, then you want to make some more friends. If you don't have any, it's okay. Go to some parties, beach parties. Just start feeling comfortable around the people uh, who are around you. Thank you. Ambrosia? I would say that if I had to give advice to somebody, it would be don't necessarily ask people if something is possible because if someone has had a negative experience, they might say, no, no, that's not possible because that's been my experience if I've asked, you know, can I do this? Is this possible? Just keep trying. So like, if you want to do something, if you want to move somewhere, work somewhere, bring your, you know, partner with you, don't ask people if it's possible to do it. Just keep trying until it works. And then ultimately, if it doesn't work, try something else. Because I know that, you know, living abroad, it's like a big dream for a lot of people. And if you feel like good or if something is not going to work out, then that can feel really defeating. And like word of mouth is not like the end all be all of life abroad. And so you really just have to, like I've said before, be your own advocate. I always tell people this, um, if you're wanting something, don't be afraid to ask because the worst thing that could happen is somebody say no. But if you don't ask, you'll never get the answer that you want. That's good advice. Kyle, what about you? Just when you go out, be aware of your surroundings. Don't be like one of those people that are just walking around staring at their phone. Look around, see what people are doing, and kind of gauge what they're doing on how open you can be. So travel smart and travel aware. That's very true. And besides, you're traveling. You should be looking up anyway. Yes. All right. Uh, Caitlin? I have two of them. Uh, My first, don't be afraid to join LGBT activism. Join your pride parade. Join any protests that you have going on in your area. uh, Because 
no one is going to really fight for this stuff unless you decide to join up and do it. I think that's always an important point. And my next one is support your LGBT-friendly spaces wherever you are. COVID hit a ton of these businesses hard. And if we don't support these bars, these cafes, uh, these shops, they're going to they're gonna go under and we won't have the queer spaces that we've fought for so long. That is absolutely so true. That's great advice wherever you are, whether you're abroad or, or in your home country. All right, Francis, we're going to end with you. Oh, wonderful. I agree with everything everyone has said. I think that's all really excellent advice. And yeah, I think like like others are saying, you know, keep trying to find a community or find like a few friends that, you know, you can lean on in the community because they're definitely out there. I know in South Korea in particular, a lot of people struggle to maybe connect with people or meet people especially at the beginning like that can be really hard it can be isolating you're in a new country but yeah just keep trying you know those people are definitely out there and there's definitely a place for you there i like that too all right well thank you so much everyone for all of your thoughts today all of your answers to your questions your advice and just being here i'm so incredibly grateful to all of you for this and thank you to our audience members and anyone listening in later we really appreciate you being here as well and we hope you've enjoyed our pride week 2021 alumni panel for ita thank you so much You've been listening to Teach, Travel, Talk About It, an international TEFL Academy podcast. Hosted by Jasira Varnak. Mixed and edited by Ian Kelly Davis. For more information about teaching English abroad, visit internationalteflacademy.com or find us on social media at International Tefl Academy. Thanks for listening.